Well, it's going to be a great morning, and uh, I have a message that I really feel God's put on my heart that I'm excited to share with you. The title of the message is How to Talk to Yourself in Times of Crises. How to Talk to Yourself in Times of Crises. And so we're going to be looking at doing a series in Psalms, and there are, the series is called Prayers for These Moments. Prayers for these moments. And so our first one is going to be Psalm 42, if you want to grab your smartphones or your Bibles. And so we're going to be uh, opening uh, the scripture in just a moment, but let's pray before we do that. So Father, we can thank you. We can sing songs like, Forever God is Faithful. We can sing songs like, Your love endures forever. forever. And here we are to worship and Jesus sought us when we were strangers. And Jesus, you're our rock and you're our fortress and ever-present help in times of trouble. We pray that as we open your word that you would speak to us, encourage us, minister to us, nourish us. We pray that we would hear the voice of God through the word of God louder than any other voice we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And so prayers for this moment, beginning a six-week series. Uh, what we're going to do, we're going to look at some honest prayers in the Scripture, gut-wrenching, honest prayers, and they are so good because they help us to walk through emotionally challenging times. The Psalms were divinely inspired by God. Uh, it's a hymn book, a song book of public worship to ancient Israel. So these are songs that they not only read, but they are prayers that they prayed, and they are songs that then they sung. And so it captured the hearts and the minds of the people because some, like only music can do, it just captures your heart. Well, that's what happened here. And so these are Psalms. Early Christ followers sang them. They prayed them. Jesus quoted the book of Psalms more than any other book in the Bible. The Psalms talk about every situation in life. So we simply don't read them. You also can pray them. I think we see God in ways that only the Psalms reveal. They, uh, they point us to Jesus. So we're going to be having some conversations about the book of Psalms for the next six weeks. And the author of this Psalm, the Psalmist, was one who was a feeler. Some of you here, you're feelers. Others of you are thinkers, right? And so we have people that feel their way into their future and through decisions, and other people who think their way. They're leaning more left brain, and they think their way. And so it's been said of humanity that all of humanity is filled with thinkers and feelers. Some people process through thinking, others through feeling. But what is your first inclination? What about you here today? Are you a thinker or are you a feeler? Are you a thinker or are you a feeler? So the psalmist is an absolute feeler. Now that's not to say that thinkers don't feel and feelers don't think. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that we lean one way or the other. Well, what his feelings were is he was sad, he was depressed, he was overwhelmed, he was just downcast. So we're going to see why he was sad and then the aunt, why he was overwhelmed. And then we're going to look at the cure for his being overwhelmed. The cure for your being overwhelmed, your being sad also is here. So it's been said by historians that there are five culture-shaping events that have happened in about the last hundred years. Five culture-shaping events which have changed the trajectory of our nation. And what do you think that those events might be? Well, World War One, World War Two, right? You, you, you would know that. How about... Uh, the Spanish flu of 1918. What else would you think? 9-11. And what do you think that the fifth one would be that historians say is going to shape 
America for decades to come. COVID, yes, COVID. And so now historians are adding COVID as the fifth major culture-shaping event in our history. Uh, so our kids are going to be telling their kids about what happened in 2019. And people feel, I think, with all the things going on in culture, that people are saddened, people are worried, people are coping, and all of these emotions we feel in the moment. But here's what's different about COVID than 9-11. Think back, those of you that were there, 9-11 was a moment that happened, and then we were looking backward at the moment. It happened, but then we were looking backward. So we knew what took place. We knew it was devastating. Uh, it was grievous. We struggled. We were traumatized. But then we looked back at this horrible historic event, and it was over. But you think now in COVID-19, it's not over. It's been going on for seven months. And so this is a moment here that people and culture are dealing with, but we're still living in the moment. And we can't say that it's just behind us. We're wondering, like, when is it going to end? So our country really is going through some challenges. We're going through health challenges with COVID. We're going through economic, through racial justice challenges, through political challenges. And the list goes on and on. And all that to say this, friends, it's very easy to be overwhelmed, isn't it? It's, over, it's easy to be overwhelmed. It's easy to be discouraged and despondent, just like the author of Psalm 42. And so it's easy to lose hope along the way. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to unpack Psalm 42. What we do on Sunday morning is we read the Bible, we explain the Bible, and we apply the Bible. That's one of our values. So our current reality is this. For many of us, we're dealing with sadness, dealing with feeling overwhelmed, dealing with depression and those type things because of what has happened in our culture. So we're going to talk about his issue here, his sadness, and we're going to talk about God's cure for our sadness. It's awesome. Here we go. Psalm 42, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to ask all of you to, to stand up so you can just stretch a little bit in honor of the Scripture, as well as maybe you can warm up a little bit. So Psalm 42, beginning in verse 1, says this. As a deer longed for streams of water, so I longed for you, God. I thirst for you, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while all day long people say to me, Where is your God? I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walked with many, leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. Why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him, my Savior and my God. I am deeply depressed. Therefore, I will remember you from the Lord of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon. You may be seated. So twice the, the psalmist says, I am depressed. I mean, that's his gut-wrenching raw reality that he is depressed. He's in the depths of depression because of the very same things that were encircling his life that is our reality today. So we know, all know that sometimes you wake up and you spring out of bed and you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and you say, good morning, God. And you're just ready to attack the day. But then there's those other mornings, you know what I'm talking about, where you feel like you got to pry open your eyelids and where you're just sitting despondent 
on the end of the bed there and you're like, good God, it's morning. Well, the writer Psalmist was having one of those good God, it's morning when he woke up. So he's away from Jerusalem. He's away from the place that he would worship. Now check this out. People would go from all over the world to gather in the temple there for this highlight of the year where they would worship God. And David is remembering that, that he can't be a part of that. And he's just despondent and dejected and depressed and bummed out and down in the dumps. And we all go through times like that, don't we? The reality is that we do where you're, you just feel a little downcast, a little, just a little under the, the emotional weather there. So we see in David's prayer this. is a very important point before I really unpack it. But we see a very, very important point that is this, that he fixes his eyes upon God when he comes to God and he recognizes this in a very honest prayer that God is not upset with him that he's got anxiety and struggles and sadness and depression. And God is not a God who pushes us away because we haven't fixed up our issues there and come to, and come to talk to him. God is delighted and who God is is one that delights and when we come to him. And so God doesn't say, hey, David, go fix up your emotions and fix your issues there and then come talk to me. No, just come to me any way that you are. So beginning in verse 1, he says this, As the deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. So he says, picture this. Picture a deer out in the woods just aching for water, thirsting for water. And that deer now is longing and wanting and needing and hungering for water. And it sees water. And David says this, God, this is how I feel about you. As a deer pants and longs for water, so my heart longs for you. As a deer is driven by its thirst, says, so am I driven by my spiritual thirst for you, O God. The deepest thirst of our souls, friends, is one for God. It really is. And so people can try to satiate the deep desire within for God with all kinds of other things that never satisfy. In fact, I watched my own father do this very thing. My dad uh, just had a thing about cars. And so every year, my dad, uh, he had the resources to buy a luxury car. And I would think this has got to be it. He's got the Porsche, he's got the Mercedes, he's got the Cadillac, got the latest whatever. And I would think, this is going to be it. Dad's going to keep the car for longer than a year. Never failed. A year goes by. My dad is turning in the car, getting another, get to get another luxury car. Uh, he would change homes. Like every couple years, the luster of the new home, luxury home, on the golf course, with the view, get tired of that, got to get the new one. So I watched my dad my entire life this way. He's got the Rolex, he's got to get another kind of Rolex, and then another, I mean, it was just on and on and on, that everything you could desire, he had the resources, he could buy those things, and I just saw that my dad was never satisfied. And I realized when I became a Christ follower that my dad is trying to fulfill a spiritual hunger with all kinds of other things, and it never satisfied him. And so uh, Solomon talks about that very same thing in the, in, in the book of Solomon. And so David recognizes his great thirst of his heart 
is for God. And he says, I'm running after God. My heart has an insatiable, unquenchable desire for God. And friends, I'm saying that we are wired up by Almighty God with that same desire that our quench for God, our thirst for God can only be met by Him alone. So the deepest desire of the heart, the deepest desire of the soul is for our Creator. So David was essentially saying this, I must drink of God or like, I'm going to die. I can't go on. He continues in verse 2 and he says this, I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? So the psalmist now, he's far away from the temple. He's far away from worship. And what I'm going to unpack here, you're going to see his very situation mirrors our very situation today. He's saying, when is it going to be over? How many people are at, when is COVID going to be over? When am I no longer going to be isolated? When am I no longer going to be quarantined? When are we all going to get to be able to come back together? Did you know, friends, only about two-thirds of the church has actually come back to church. A third of the church has not come back. Some, uh, some professionals think they're never coming back. And so he's asking, when is this going to be done? As great as it is to meet online, it's awesome to open the scripture together. And we need to have church. We need to experience that. Don't you miss gathering? I mean, didn't you miss gathering? I have to say that watching online, I got bored. I like, I got totally bored. And I was the preacher I was watching on TV. I'm like, I can't take it anymore. I can't take watching that guy on TV anymore. And so and it was me. Anyway, so I just got to say that I missed you on Sundays. I, I missed your singing. In fact, I even missed your bad singing. I missed it when you sang off key. I just missed you so much. I missed being together. I missed community. I missed the whole thing, shaking your hands, seeing your faces. And so I'm so glad God blessed us with a tent that we can meet together when it's raining and freezing. So, yeah, give a good shout out to God. So David feels like he's separated from people. And perhaps, friends, this is how you feel. Or this is how you felt. Or people watching online. And you're wondering, like David, when can I go back? I'm in Mount Hermon. I want to go to Jerusalem. He's going, the isolation is killing me. And he's praying to God, God, when am I ever going to get to worship you? And I remember how it used to be. And I want this moment that I'm now facing to end. And perhaps you feel that way too. So in verse 3, it says this, My tears have been my food day and night. Oh, this is so painful. My tears have been my food day and night. While all day long people say to me, Where's your God? Your God's not helping you. What is your God doing for you? Now, can you relate to the distress that David is talking about here where he could barely eat? Some people are stress eaters. Other ones, when you feel just the weight of the world upon you, you lose your appetite. I don't really ever seem to have that problem, but I know some people do. But where food starts tasting, not having any any uh, uh, desire for it, where a cloud hangs over you, where you just feel that depression and discouragement, that's where he was at. So much depression, so much discouragement, that he's like, nah, I, I'm not going to eat. Here's a guy that can eat anything. I mean, he could eat any kind of food he wanted. And some people are, are like that. They're so stressed that they don't want to eat. And David is saying, the only thing I'm hungry for is I'm just hungry for God. 
I'm not even hungry for food. It has no appeal to me. So the, he, the psalmist is losing his appetite here. And he says, all I've been eating day and night are my tears. That's all I've, I've been eating, I've been consuming are my tears. And he says, day and night. This is his reality, friends. Now think about this. He is crying himself to sleep every night. That's what's going on here. Overwhelmed with the weighty thoughts of what is going on there. And how many people know that sometimes the evenings can be the worst? They can be the worst in your life. There's been times where I'm just, I can't go to sleep and sitting, tossing and turning. And what is it, friends, that keeps you up at night? What is it that keeps you up at night? Well, David was saying, I can't gather with people. I can't sleep. I'm overwhelmed. He said, all day long, people say to me, hey, like, where's your God? Like, David, what is, what is your God doing to fix your problems? How come your God is allowing this? How come your God can't stop this? Why can't your, your God fix this? So he's le- living under that weight. It was getting to him. And I don't know about you, but sometimes, like, you, know, you have your armor and you try to you know, brush things off. But after a while, some things kind of get to you. And it was getting to him. And they were saying, where's your God, David? Why isn't he helping you? So David now, he's beginning to, to live in this reality that he's being honest, but how is he going to deal with it? And so here's what he says in verse 4. And friends, it'll get encouraging in just a moment. I remember this as I pour out my heart. How I walked with many leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. So he has memories of better times in the past. How many people have had that? You're stuck in COVID, stuck at home, can't go out to eat. Come on. Does that bug anybody besides me? You, know, you can't even go out. You can't go out to eat or you go out to eat and then the next week the restaurant's closed down. And you're thinking about, man, I remember how great it used to be seven months ago. We could go out to eat, and now you have like two choices. So anyway, but he has memories do this. Memories remind us that our current reality is not what it could be. Memories, positive memories remind you that your current reality isn't what it could be. And that's what David, that's where he's living here. His, he has memories of better days. Better days of feeling close to God. Better days of being able to celebrate and worship as he would lead the procession of people coming from throughout the ancient world to the temple. And, and it was like the ultimate high of worship. And he was like in the middle of that, leading all the people to the temple. And so now he realized that his current reality just it isn't what it could be. So he's sad. He's depressed. He's bummed. He's overwhelmed. And think about what he's depressed about and said the very same things that you are, that he couldn't gather with people, that he can't worship like he would normally worship, that he has memories that life used to be better than it currently was. So many of us, I think, were exactly in the same moment as the psalmist was. So now let's talk about the cure. That was the issue, but let's talk about the cure here because I think we need to be mindful. There are some false cures out there. You know what I'm talking about? Reality of people is this. Is it overwhelmed, depressed, discouraged, despondent? And we think, I've got to do something. I've got to do something. You know, it doesn't feel very good down there. So I've got to do something. I've got to do something fast. I've got to do something quick. Maybe I've got to do something cheap. 
but I've got to do something because it doesn't feel very good what's swimming around inside me. And that's where David was at. That's where American culture is at. And we're going to see the answer to that. But there are false cures. There are false cures where I talked about, like with my dad, it was about the next possession, the next thing, the next vacation. I think for other people, we don't feel good. Maybe it's, maybe it's the next relationship. Maybe it's the next job. Maybe maybe it's the, 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 the other false cure to fill in the blank. But there are many things that we can experience that are not going to serve us well. So here it is. Here is the answer to our problems in verse 5. He says, why, my soul, are you so dejected? Another translation reads, why are you uh, cast down, O my soul? And then he says to the rest in verse 5, why are you in such turmoil? Watch carefully now. Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. Friends, if you will buy into this and you will get this, this will this could change your life. This could change the trajectory of your life. And so notice here that what happens is he recognizes I've got to stop listening. He stopped, he realized I got to stop listening to myself and all the bad news out there. And I've got to start talking to myself. Let me unpack this for you. He acknowledges this reality that even in, in uh, Psalm 103, he said this. He speaks to himself and he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. So rather than spiraling down in his depression here, he recognizes he's got to talk to himself. He's actually got to preach to himself a three-word sermon, hope in God. And I'm telling you, friends, this is something that we need to get a hold of here because we've got to talk to ourselves in this turbulent time here to preach to yourself also. So he reminds himself to place his hope in God. He's like, time out. Time out. People are talking to me. I miss church. I miss my friends. And so he recognizes he's got to start to talk to himself. So biblical hope, biblical hope is where you have hope in a future. So there's a lot of news out there, and I don't know about you, but I get I get just saturated with the news. And the news can be discouraging. And, and so I'm not telling you what to do, but I've landed at a place where I can't have constant access to the news because it just is overwhelming. So what I do now is I just listen to the news at night or the Collins newscaster, my wife, a.k.a. Kirsten, tells me all the news. And so I get the news feeds from my wife and from watching a little on TV. But the point is this, is that David, the psalmist, begins to talk to himself. And I'm suggesting that you do the same thing. He says, for I will still praise him. So D. Martin Lloyd-Jones was uh, one of the great sermonic minds that Great Britain has ever produced. So D. Martin Lloyd-Jones was known as the doctor because he graduated from the Royal College of Surgeons in London. He was recognized as one of the brilliant uh, up-and-coming physicians of that day. He was going to be the, the, the personal physician of the king and queen of England. But he felt the call of God upon his life. He quit medicine and became a pastor of Westminster Chapel for 30 years. Well, he's brilliant at diagnosing. He's got a medical mind. He's very brilliant at diagnosing. And so he said this about depression. 
So he writes this, and I quote, The main trouble in the whole matter of depression, in a sense, is this, that we allow ourselves to talk to us instead of talking to ourselves. We allow the little voices to speak to us rather than speaking to the voice. And so David did this in 1 Samuel chapter 30. What happened was, was that the Amalekites, who were the bad guys of the Old Testament, the enemies of God, they came into a town called Ziglag, and they burned it to the ground. And not only that, but they took all of the young men, all of the young women, the children. They also took uh, all of the wives, including two of David's wives, and they took them captive. So imagine then the people come back to Ziglag and they see what happens and they point to David and they said, we're going to stone you. So in verse six says that they were going to stone David. So what do you think that David does in the midst of the, of the town being burned down? All the men, uh, that were left there, the, the, the women, the children, all gone. What does David do? And he's going to be about to be, about to be stoned to death. Bible says in verse 6, 1 Samuel 30, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David goes on to say in verse 18, recovered all. So what he did is he began to speak to himself. The very thing that David did, the very thing that D. Martin Lloyd-Jones is speaking of here, that he began to talk to himself, to preach to himself. The doctor continues and he says this, Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you're listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? You have to address yourself and preach to yourself. This is exactly what the psalmist was doing here. He was saying, hey, soul, why are you cast down, oh, my soul? Hope in God. So he's speaking to himself. Hope in God here, he's saying. Trust also in him, for he is your God and your Savior. So I want to unpack these three things as we uh, begin to close. He says, first of all, put your hope in God, friends. That's what we're to do. We're caught up in our anxiety and our depression and our feelings and being overwhelmed. Put your hope in God. Hope means a strong and confident expectation. You trust in him. It's a strong and confident expectation. And so soul, he says, hope in God. Now, why would you want your hope, put your hope in anything else? I mean, think about it. What are the options out there? Why would you want to put your hope in things that are going to fail you? Why would we want to put our hope in the stock market that you can be elation, you know, excited one moment and depressed the next? Why do we want to put our hope in sports or put our hope in our, our teams or our employers or our jobs or in relationships? We can put our hope in so many things that will only let us down. So David says, put your hope in God. You don't have to live with the burden and the pressure of putting our hope in things that come and go and are, are, and are unstable and are uncertain. So he says, put your hope in God. And then he says, secondly, still praise him. Still praise him. Faith finds reasons to still praise him. And so, friends, when things are crazy, things are out of control, here's what you need to speak to yourself to praise him still. It's easy to, it's easy to, it's easy to pull out. It's easy to tap out. 
And I think sometimes in the biggest crisis that you have in your life, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, maybe relationally, or financially, the biggest crisis in your life, what do you do with that that uh, three words, praise him still? Well, I'll tell you, filtering through my own life, the biggest uh, crisis in my life was when our firstborn son was born, and he was born with a condition that was absolutely devastating to me, uh, affecting him uh, mentally. It wasn't going to be a normal, very, um, uh, he just, he lost oxygen to his brain for 10 minutes. And so he, he had uh, what's called cerebral infarction or death uh, of his, of his brain tissue. And so I was talking to the neonatal neurologist and the, um, the different, uh, the, the chief of staff. And it was really bad. It was really, really bad. And I asked him, I said, hey, so I'm a doctor. You used to tell me straight up. Uh, I just need to know uh, what's, what's, what's the diagnosis. And he said, the diagnosis is really bad. He said, look at him. He has all the signs and clinical symptomology. And he rattled off all the things that were wrong. I was just devastated. I mean, I, I, I fell on the floor and I, I convulsed crying when you just you lose you completely lose it and I had so lost my emotional equilibrium that I would pull off the side of the road and I just start crying I would drive into church and uh, and I need to speak like this I pull off the road but just before I get to church and I'd be bawling my guts out and I and this just was so devastating to me and so but what happened was two events uh, moments of truth one was I was in church in fact it was the first time I came back to church after this happened I was sitting in the front row. I remember uh, we were singing a song uh, of Still I Will Praise Him. And uh, uh, when the music fades, you know, and all has gone away, you know, what are you going to do? And, and I felt like God saying to me, so what about you? Will you still praise me? And I, and I was crying and weeping. I said, yes, Lord, I will praise you. And another time I, I just lifted him up and I was praying and I said, God, I'll serve you no matter what happens with him and I will, I'll serve you and I will praise you. And what David realized here in the midst of being overwhelmed was still I will praise him. So friends, what about us? What about us? In the midst of your depression and your chaos even now, in the midst of what's happening in our nation, Will you still praise him? Will you say, I will hope, I will trust in him? So friends, I just want to close by saying we can do this because he is our God and he is our Savior and he's enough. He's enough. Sometimes you want an answer. You want to know why. Sometimes you'll never know why. You may never know why in this lifetime, but here's what you need to know is that he's enough. He's all that you need there. So he's all that we ultimately need. He's all that our soul longs for. So put your hope in him. Praise him still, for he is your Savior and your God. I just want to say when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he said uh, in the Hebrew tongue, Eli, Eli, lama shabachthani, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? And he was forsaken for a moment so that you would never be forsaken for all of eternity. He is our Savior and our God, an ever-present help in times of trouble. And so, friends, you have a God who is for you, who's not against you, who is with you, who will not leave you, 
regardless of how tumultuous your path may be, he holds you. He is a God who's uh, never changing in the midst of a culture that is always changing and uncertain. He is certain. He is our rock and our salvation. So sometimes, friends, you need to remind your soul of these truths. You need to remind yourself, I am God's child. You remind yourself that God is my father. You remind yourself that heaven is my home, that I am a day closer, that God is in control. So you remind yourself of these things. And like the psalmist did, and like the doctor D. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, you have to preach to yourself. you got to talk to yourself. And in doing that, doing that, your life will be better off. Every, every time I speak, I... Uh, you would ha- you have no idea how I wrestle through what I'm going to tell you. I wrestle and wrestle through what I'm going to tell you. And I edit and I edit and I edit. And so so the same was true of this, this message. And I thought, what should I tell them? Like, what's like the bottom line? The bottom line is this. Is that this is what you need to build into your life. You need to build this into your life. Your best life is on the other side of speaking to yourself God's truth, not just letting the voices speak to you. So what that means is, is that this is a lifestyle that you walk in as a Christ follower. Not just a little sermon, go back to our life. This is is a message, this is a lifestyle that you begin to, to walk in and you build this into your life. Okay, friends? So Father, see your children. Father, they love you. They're here today in a tent and cold weather and it's raining because they want to meet with you. Father, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you'd watch over them. I pray that your mercies would be new every morning, that your grace would be sufficient and still amazing. Father, I pray that you would do what only you could do. I pray that you would do this and you would do more as you bless them In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. God bless you. And thank you for spending on my birthday. God bless you. See you next week.